0: welcome beautiful people to camp koji my name is joel and thank you for joining me as i break down the biggest game of news from the week that was on the only podcast we will ever need now on today's show there's not really too much to talk about i feel like this is going to be a short one we're really just going to talk about our new look at suicide squad kill the justice league and we're going to talk about the last of us part two remastered but first I want to report on the story. I don't really have much to add to the story, but I just wanted to bring it up because I feel like not many outlets were really talking about it, but I found it to be kind of an interesting story where workers at Sega of America say they're trying to uh, get laid off by Sega as a retaliation for unionizing. An unfair labor practice was filed by the Communication Workers of America accusing Sega of forcing employees into a meeting where they were told their jobs would be offshore to Japan and Europe rather than bargaining over the layoffs directly with the union. The proposed layoffs would impact 40% of the Allied Employees Guild improving SEGA union, that's the name of it, or roughly 80 unionized employees total. Instead of bargaining with the union over the changes, SEGA proceeded to deliver the news directly to employees in a required meeting potentially violating rules against companies negotiating directly with unionized employees instead of with their union. Now, this particular union is one of the biggest ones to have formed in the video game industry so far and is unique in encompassing employees from all different types of roles rather than being department specific. So I just kind of want to bring this up. I felt like it was kind of an important piece of news especially since we have layoffs every single week there are definitely going to be more layoffs we briefly shot out at the end uh of this episode but yeah I, I don't really have too much to add here because i'm going to be honest i don't really know exactly how this is supposed to work exactly in terms of like if you have to cut some of your labor down uh, do you are you are companies forced to enter into negotiations with a union? Like, I don't understand what those negotiations will look like. Don't uh, companies still have the power to at will just let anyone go as long as there's no evidence of it being retaliatory uh, or done in retaliation? But then the other side of this is that, you know, it it is kind of interesting. You're talking about 40% of that union, so roughly 80 employees are uh are being laid off that's pretty interesting that means that this union is made up of less than 200 members but i'm sure that sega should be more than 200 people um so it does kind of on paper sound like it was targeted but we won't really know until the um until an investigation is started but i just want to bring that up just something to keep in mind Now for our next story, I wanted to talk about The Last of Us Part 2 Remastered. So last week there was a leak, uh, something about like the game had showed up in some sort of data set and someone had leaked it out. And then I think some images had leaked out from PlayStation themselves. I don't remember exactly the origin of the leaks. Uh, It didn't matter. Sony made the decision to just kind of post the announcement now I remember coming across a tweet from a Naughty Dog employee that confirmed that this was not planned. That they confirmed that this ruined their marketing rollout. That because of the leak, the uh, Sony just decided. You know what? Obviously, everyone knows about it, so let's just let the cat f- cat fully out of the bag. I think probably maybe maybe PlayStation was thinking of announcing it a little bit closer to maybe some new details about the show. I know that there's some rumors about who, um, who's going to be casted as Abby. So maybe that was kind of marketing's plan was to sort of announce those two things on the same day. I don't, obviously we don't know and we'll never know now that they decide to just officially announce it. So, it's called The Last of Us Part Two Remastered. The changes here are enhanced graphics, including 4K uh, native 4K output and unlocked frame rate option for TVs that support VRR. Increased texture resolution, level of detail, distances, improved shadow quality, animation sampling rate. A brand new mode called No Return, which is a roguelike survival mode, designed to let players prove their mettle in randomized encounters and experience the last of Us part two's combat and a fresh experience includes a host of playable characters to choose from some playable for the first time in the last of us franchise like one of them i saw that you could play as dina and the other one is i think the character's name was lev i haven't played i haven't played the game since launch but i think the character's name was lev uh so unless you play as uh as new characters uh kind of hope tommy is playable that'd be kind of cool i think that makes sense Uh, Players will chart their own course on each run, choosing between various stealth and combat encounters that will pit you against a range of enemies with unique twists that can add new unexpected factors to any given encounter. They're also adding a new set of loss levels in Part 2 Remastered, allowing players a unique chance to check out some playable sequences previously cut from the game. I think somewhere they had confirmed there were three sequences. These aren't fully finished levels, but rather early development slices that not only let you see some new glimpses of Part 2's world, but also include embedded developer commentary to give them richer context. Uh, they're also adding newly recorded director's commentary across the campaign's cut scenes, speed run mode, which they introduced in Part 1, that Part 1 remake, more accessibility options, new character skins, new photo mode options, a guitar free play mode. Uh, and then they introduce a special edition. That's it's called, a, I think it was called a WLF that brings like cards. And uh, honestly, I don't remember what, what, what else it was. They haven't revealed the price of this yet, but seeing as part one was $70, I don't see why they wouldn't just charge $70 for this. This is technically a remaster. Uh, obviously a lot less work to remaster this than the original Last of Us but they're actually adding stuff here. So I just can't imagine it being less than $70. Now, when this had sort of first leaked, I retweeted it and I was like, okay, well, obviously it's going to be $70. I'm definitely not getting this. There's really no reason for me to do it. But then when it was officially announced, PlayStation did confirm that there would be a $10 upgrade path and that saves are transferable. So if you have a playstation 4 copy of last of us 2 which i think right now you can regularly find on sale for like 20 bucks you can pay an extra 10 dollars and upgrade this to sort of that digital ps5 version it will it will download that digital version of these this remaster it comes out january 19th 2024 so when this announcement was made every uh, you know the pretty much everyone together was kind of cracking jokes on this <laughs> And even even myself, I was saying it is kind of funny that two games have five separate versions, right? You have The Last of Us, The Last of Us um, uh, Remastered, which was the, the original one that came out for PlayStation 4. Then you have The Last of Us Part 1 that came out in uh, 2022. Then you have The Last of Us Part 2. Now you have The Last of Us Part 2 Remaster. I honestly would not be surprised if... Uh, you know, when they announced Last of Us Part Three, you know there's rumors that that's happening, that they're going to put Last of Us Definitive Edition. And it's just it's just both parts put together. Um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of one of the situations where it's like I can I can see it from both ways. I I can see it from the from the business perspective of PlayStation looking internally and wanting to continue that synergy with the TV show. That's the reason why part one was remastered was because of the TV show. And, you know, we also we all saw how absolutely successful that TV show was. It was not only the most critically acclaimed and uh, successful TV series we've ever seen based on a video game. It also was one of the most successful series that HBO has ever produced period across everything and anything they've made so for playstation this type of move to me is it really does boil down to common sense right when you think about nintendo with the super mario brothers movie there's no coincidence that around that same time we saw this explosion of games involving Mario characters, right? The new Peach game, Mario RPG, uh, you know, getting remastered and Luigi's Mansion getting remastered. That's all by design, right? It's it's capturing the synergy from uh, the film, which was really successful in its own right. So I look at this very much as like a, a business decision where I do look at it from the perspective of like, yeah, you know, Naughty Dog carving out a small team to put this, together it's not I, I feel like there's a lot of people that were coming, commenting on this almost like in a way like this is all naughty dog is working on and that's that's just not true right we know for a fact that there are two projects that are, they're working on neil Druckmann confirmed that he's working on a new project whether that's last of us part three or something brand new we don't know and then of course we have the last of us factions multiplayer which Obviously, there are a lot of rumors that it's been put on ice, but none of us really know exactly a hundred percent. I mean, Jason Schreier was a, was the one who reported that you know, due to feedback from Bungie, that there was a delay to the factions multiplayer, which I, I think we can you know, all believe Jason Schreier. And then Naughty Dog did confirm that there was a delay. But then there's also been some some of these rumors that it's been canceled. We we really don't know that for um, for a fact. I do think that PlayStation is just sort of in a bit of a re-evaluation phase right now with a lot of their live service stuff. So to me, building out a small team to capitalize on, uh, you know, the excitement of the TV show, especially with, uh, you know, the second season that's going to begin filming very soon. I get it, like I get it from a business perspective. But then the other side of it is the reason why this has become such a big deal, like Naughty Dog sort of remastering these these older titles, is not, you know, just the frequency or even just the question of like, okay, this game came out like three years ago. Do we really need a remaster? First of all, the remaster isn't really for people who have played the game before like let's be honest is really supposed to be for for uh for new players which is why i think playstation did that teller ten dollar upgrade path because there are new features here for the last of us part one that remake was just like a straight remake they didn't add anything new to it they just modernized the combat and obviously make made it look and play better but it's not like what they did with this part two remaster where they're adding a bunch of you know really a bunch of modes that i think are appealing to people who are fans of the series i think for part one even if you're a fan of the last of us you could just sort of skip it there's really not what you know outside of a speed run mode you know um there really wasn't much added there they're adding a lot here to part two where they're offering sort of Uh, an upgrade path but the reason why this is such a big deal is just more PlayStation you know PlayStation is having a it's definitely had one of its worst years ever I think 2023 is one of the worst years for PlayStation and it's weird because it doesn't feel like it's one of their worst because they're still selling so many consoles right Um, it's not like that has slowed down but in terms of production, in terms of what's expected from PlayStation, it's definitely one of their weaker years and one of their weaker moments, mainly because I think their fan base has absolutely no idea what's, what's coming, like what's next, right? They know that Wolverine is something they can look forward to. Um, who knows if that'll come out next year? We, we, we don't really know. But there's also just the issue of like, well, what's what's everyone else doing? Like what's Sucker Punch doing? What's what's Gorilla doing? What's Santa Monica doing right now? They're not really revealing any of those things. And when you look at the these two things put together, the year that Sony has had, the fact that they've only dropped a single exclusive this year it was Spider-Man 2. The only other game that they published this year. I could be wrong, but I felt like it was one of the only other games, was MLB The Show, which obviously is is no longer PlayStation exclusive, right? So you take that and then you combine it with the fact that they really don't have a roadmap, right? Uh, When you look at, obviously, their main competitor with Xbox, Xbox has revealed this pretty large slate of games. And even though there's a lot of them where there's this question about like, okay, when is this going to come out or what happened to things like Everwild and Perfect Dark or Fable, there's still like a lot for fans to look uh, forward to. Even next year with Towerborn, it's looking like finally likely that Hellblade 2 is coming out next year. You sort of have a little bit of an idea of what to expect next year. Avowed looks like it might be Ready uh, for next year for Xbox. For PlayStation fans, I think when they look at something like this with the Last of Us Part Two remastered, it's it's like this sense of frustration where, if things were going well, if there were games coming out right now, if they had a good understanding of when Naughty Dog's next project is going to come out, if they knew what 2024 is going to look like, I think that this type of announcement doesn't get it wouldn't have gotten as much attention as it's getting right now. It's basically because it's dropping in a room that's so incredibly quiet. And that's why it made such a loud noise when it dropped, which is everyone just looking at it and saying like, what the hell's going on over there at PlayStation? What are you guys doing? Uh, you know, spending resources to remaster a game that's, uh, Definitely not even four years old. I don't believe it's it's been four years since Last of Us Part 2 came out. If there was other things for, for those PlayStation fans to uh, keep their mind on, I don't think this really becomes such a big deal. And I, I do believe that this is, without a doubt, one of the lowest moments for PlayStation as a brand. And like I said, it doesn't feel like it's their lowest moment because the sales are still there, right? Spider-Man 2, in less than two weeks, it sold enough copies to become like, I think it was like the fourth or fifth best-selling game for the entire year. So PlayStation, when you look at the sales charts and you look at the console hardware that's moving, it's looking, it looks so good for them. But it really isn't right from from kind of anything else, any other metric, in terms of games that that came out this year, games that are planned. You know, their their fans don't really have a proper roadmap to be excited about or look forward to. PlayStation VR two is really not doing very well, right? Um, they, you know, I think a lot of fans are looking at PlayStation and saying, "You guys are making a lot of things that are." Not really for all of us, you know. Like PlayStation VR two was not for all of us. Live service, which I'll talk about more in a bit, is not for all of us. It's not for us traditional PlayStation gamers. We want our single player epic games. Um, even something like PlayStation Portal is something that that's still being received with a lot of criticism, and I've I've seen even people on Twitter that own the device still feel like the need to defend their purchase and say like oh look look how smooth this is like i can play spider-man you know in bed now blah 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 like like they just feel this need to justify spending two hundred dollars on that device um and then that's all without even talking about live service which i think live service is something that for the average playstation consumer they have minimal interest in and i think that live service has become such a corrupted word in our industry and look rightfully corrupted i i want to i want to make it seem like like you know fans corrupted it you know it was something that companies themselves corrupted that term live service where those two words at one point uh, you know were attached to games like Team Fortress 2 for example like that's like a true live service game where you feel like it's 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 updated and things are added to a game that you're continuously playing and it's not really framed in this way of like hey I want you I want you to keep playing my game so I can find new ways to sell you stuff right that's really what live service has been morphed into so I know that PlayStation at one point and I I think it was Jim Bryan himself or was Herman Holtz I don't remember had had talked about the importance of balancing live service with their traditional games that their fans are uh, used to and they're obviously not doing a good job with it which is why they had announced that they delayed 6 out of those 12 planned live service titles you know PlayStation right now is in an interesting moment where they can uh alienate their consumers and now their main competitor owns call of duty the biggest third-party franchise the franchise that uh one could make the argument is probably playstation's most important franchise <laughs> yeah you know even even including their first party and now every single call of duty that's bought on playstation playstation has to give uh microsoft uh a cut of that sale right They're, they have to give their main competitor a cut of that sale it's just like i said it's they really are at this i want to call it a make or break or like a fork a fork in the road kind of thing you know i i think it would be i'd be going too far if i sit here and say like let you know start counting sony out but i think that the decisions that they make uh, within like the next few months, especially with Jim Ryan leaving, a brand new CEO having to come in and take over, it's just probably it, it's going to be a period for places is going to be the one of the most imperative moments in this company's history, whether it's finding the right publishers or developers to purchase because now they, I'm sure they're feeling the pressure after Microsoft's move to purchase Activision and Blizzard, but the most important thing is what's the decision that they make with their live service going forward? Because they're in this position where they're, they're, they're trying to feed their fans something that their fans don't want. And I think that PlayStation's sort of direction needs to be really drawing a line right down the middle that Clearly separates their traditional IP gaming business from this brand new games as a service venture and not mix that up. And from what we've seen, there's been a lot of conversation about mixing that up. We 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 saw that footage that leaked about this upcoming Horizon focused or or this multiplayer game that was in the Horizon universe. We know that there's the Last of Us factions. And then that leak by Jason Schreier sort of confirming what we what we all knew, which was, yeah, this isn't really a multiplayer game. It's being per- positioned as a live service. And I think that the best path moving forward for PlayStation would be to once again separate those two. So you have Fair Games from Haven Studios. And I honestly can't even remember what's the name of that other live service game that they announced from that other company. Uh, Deviation Games, I think it was. Honestly, can't remember. You let those be your live service. Um, and then you keep your traditional IP, your traditional IP. I think that you can do a lot of damage to your intellectual property, especially when you think about something like Last of Us, which is so valuable. And I think that's the reason why PlayStation took a step back because they realized that it's almost like I'm serving you an onion wrapped in chocolate by telling you, like, hey, here's the latest thing from the Last of Us universe, and then you bite into it, and it's, like, $10 for, you know, a nude Joel skin, and, and you know, uh, uh, $3 for a, a bracelet or, or some backpack bling for for Ellie or whatever garbage they, they're, they're trying to put into this stuff, C- customize your, your player banner, your clan banners by, you know, all that garbage that they're, they're going to try to put into it. You can really start to muddy and muddy down the brand. And I think, you know, if I look at PlayStation, like I said, going into this, this moment, I think key things are number one, drawing that separation, instilling confidence, uh, in your consumers being very upfront and saying like, yeah, we have these live servers, but check out what else we're we're working on. Um, trying to get... Trying to show off Wolverine as soon as you possibly can and anything else that you have single player so that it makes that pill a little bit easier to swallow. Like, hey, we kind of need this live service money. So I'm going to try to sell you fair, fair games and all this other stuff. But you sort of wrap it up with your regular game. So you... you you can keep that crossover where you don't feel like you, you're you're putting your consumers in that position to have to choose to make the choice um, between the old PlayStation and whatever this new PlayStation is supposed to be. And then the other thing is that you um, you give before you ask. I think that's the the major mistake that so many live service games make is that they ask before they give. And I think for something like the last of us, whatever this faction's multiplayer is, you really need to pack that in with as much goodwill as you can. And even if you have to monetize it, try to find a healthy balance. Because I think if factions is one of those cult classic multiplayer experiences, they, if you, it's, it it really is. If you build it, they will come. Like if you build it, they will spend money. Um, but, you have to put players in a position where they're happy to spend money, not feeling like they're being forced or feeling like they're in this vision of, of, of being the others, the, the, the brokies who are not spending, you know, 10, $20 every uh, two months or whatever it's going to be for like a battle pass or whatever, all this other stuff is. So I think it's good that they stepped back and, and give, gave, gave themselves a little bit of a break because they're gonna need it, and you it it just like you just you feel it you can feel it in the air when it comes to even playstation's own fan base where it really is the squidward meme where like the PlayStation players are inside and they're looking out at uh Xbox and Nintendo having fun Nintendo fans are like in this amazing uh moment where there's so many great games for a system that they bought in two thousand and seventeen. And Xbox is more so just the excitement of Game Pass and all these new great games being added every month. Uh, And, you know, the excitement of what's to come with all these new studios. PlayStation really is Squidward inside the house, (laughs) watching everyone else have fun. And I think that's why that remastered got uh, so much criticism. Our final story is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. We're going to keep the live service theme going. So, Rocksteady released the first episode of a new behind the scenes video series for Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which was a 20 minute deep dive. Um, I just want to say that WB did literally, and I mean literally, exactly what I said they were going to do when they delayed suicide squad and I said, no, that this does not mean that they're going to erase the live service because you guys complain. This just means that, uh, the game, I, I, I do believe it's because the game wasn't ready. I think it, it did need more time, but i more so believed that that at that time, which was like months ago, that they were going to go back to the drawing table, not to take out the live service, but to find a new way to market the game. And, like word for word, bar for bar, what I said was going to happen was exactly what they did by introducing this behind the scenes. They literally are trying to rewrite the marketing for Suicide Squad because it took such a massive hit. Now, it's still not doing too great, right? The the the, the dislike ratio on the trailer is still outpacing the likes. On the official PlayStation channel, which I, I just pulled up right in front of me, It's 12,000 thumbs up to 19,000 thumbs down. I would have to look to see. Let me see if I could uh, see it from Rocksteady's own channel. Okay, from their own channel, it is 11,000 thumbs up, 22,000 thumbs down. So the ratio is still close to like almost two to one. Uh, People hate it and don't love it. So they did exactly what I said they was going to do. And... It it's it was almost like this attempt to reset the marketing. If you if you watch that twenty minute trailer number one, they mentioned Arkham multiple times. They even showed Batman Arkham. Right? It's it's it, it was so deliberate that they're 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 trying to better connect this new game with the Arkham verse. Like, hey, you guys remember that amazing trilogy that Rocksteady made? Um, you know this game that has been. Uh, celebrated and loved, critically commercial success that people to this day are still talking about. Like to this day, we're still talking about those graphics of Arkham City and Arkham Knight, for example. And we know it's one of the greatest video game trilogies of all time. And it, it was just so blatant; it's so obvious that that's what the marketing team is going for. Is they want you to close, to make a closer connection between your love. And admiration for Arkham and the fact that, no, this is still in the Arkham verse. And then it was so deliberate showing the penguin and reminding people, like, hey, this is the same penguin, but now he, moved to, he moved to Metropolis from Arkham and trying their best to make those connections. Like I said, and even showing footage from the Batman games it was so deliberate. They focused on characters and stories, they focused on rock steady strength in this 20 minute deep dive. If you looked at this game, right, let's say. Let's say that, let, let's live in a world where this was what was shown at that PlayStation state of play. And let's say the leak never happened. Like, remember that there was a leak where it showed the image that clearly showed min-maxing on shotguns and guns and all these different stats and it showed a battle pass when we saw all this garbage. Uh, and let's say this was just our first look. We, we Pre-orders hadn't opened yet. We don't know what the additions are. We don't know what the digital plan is people would be overwhelmingly excited for this game because they would look at it as like, oh my God, it's rock steady. The characters are amazing. The writing is still sharp. Uh, the Justice League uh, looks great. The locations look amazing. Metropolis looks really fun. Uh, traversal and navigation looks fun. And sort of starting to imagine what, that co-op experience is going to be like with your friends. It would be so much better received. The problem is that the cat is already out the bag. It, it's almost like I said. It's almost like I like to say, it, when, when you squeeze the 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 the, uh, the toothpaste right <laughs> out out of that uh, that container, you can't put the toothpaste back then. Like like we've already seen. Gamers aren't stupid. They've already seen all those live service elements. They know that they're in there. Even if Warner Brothers tries their best to hide it and that's exactly what they did in this trailer like they mentioned weapons but they didn't go into the fact that this is like a looter shooter and parts of the game is going to be picking up new things to attach to your characters and like higher rate of fire but lower accuracy all this stupid nonsense fucking garbage (laughs) that i absolutely hate which and it's funny because it was one of the downfalls of gotham knights and and that's like the irony of all this shit that warner brothers is doing is like you had your lesson from War- marvel's avengers right square enix showed the world like hey you know this probably doesn't work wb said you know what we're gonna try it anyway got- with got knights got knights fell f- right flat on its face and wb said you know what let's try that one more time <laughs> You know, that's literally exactly what they're doing these two games are almost identical when you compare Gotham Knights to Suicide Squad in, ten, in in terms of what it is, multiplayer co-op, uh playing with heroes, but it's all about uh you know min-maxing your armor and your different weapons and all that stuff. And it really sucks because this game still looks amazing. It still look first of all it, it still looks like it's a lot of fun in terms of traversing you can you can still clearly tell that it was made by Rocksteady. There's so much character in that city of Metropolis, the um, the Suicide Squad themselves, the voice acting, the voice direction, um, the character designs, the interactions. Like I said, the direction, the motion capture, the story itself looks really, really interesting. Like I said, the dialogue looks really, really good. I think it's it, it feels like a very healthy balance from like that, you know, comedic tone of Suicide Squad while still, you know, being serious and trying to establish the stakes of this universe and the fact that they're trying to take down Justice League. This It has so much of that going for it that to me personally, as a Rocksteady fanatic, I am still definitely interested in this game. But I look at it very much as like, Man, I still want to experience that story. I still want to see the story of how the Justice League act, you know, when they're under Brainiac's control. Like we saw a little bit of that with Green Lantern and his new look, and it looks phenomenal. Um, but I want to see what those interactions w- were like with Superman. The fact that Kevin Conroy is back as Batman is, and it's going to be his final performance. There are enough pieces here that for me personally, I'm still interested in playing it like a single player game, playing it like just like a campaign. But then that's it. Just like just getting rid of the game as soon as I finish it because the post-launch stuff uh, does not interest me at all. And they confirmed that there are a minimum of four battle passes is what they're working on. The battle pass is just like standard stuff. There's like a regular tier. There's a premium tier. They haven't announced a price for that. Whatever, 10 bucks, whatever, how much is going to be. There's like a special edition that they're putting out for like, I think it's like a hundred bucks. It gives you three day early access, which let's be honest, early access at this point is not early access. It's really late access for everyone else. Like, Hey, if you want to pay $70, you're going to have to wait three days. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not, even though this, this game looks, looks cool to me. I'm not giving you a hundred dollars to play this early, especially because the extra stuff in there, I don't care about. I don't care about those Extra skins, pre-order skins, d- default skins. I'm fine with that. I'm cool with it. Uh, I don't care about battle passes. With that special edition, you got like a battle pass token. So you can get one premium battle pass completely for free. I definitely don't care about that stuff. Now they did confirm that they're th- the direction of this game or the direction of the live service is like it's very much like Marvel's Avengers, which is that they're going to be adding heroes post-launch and those heroes and then according to them the missions will will be uh free of charge so they say yes suicide scar will have regular post-launch seasonal updates earnable oh excuse me that's a key word right there i forgot about that earnable and no additional cost through playing the game updates will include new story content playable characters missions gear weapons cosmetic items in-game events And more. They also did confirm that cosmetics that are sold are just purely cosmetic. There's nothing that they're going to sell that is going to affect the actual gameplay. But that's a key word right there. Earnable. Key, key word right there. Meaning that you are probably going to have to grind and whatever bullshit they put into this game in order to get enough, whatever the hell they're going to call that coins or points or whatever to unlock whatever character. So let's say they announce Peacemaker. Let's say they announce, hey, uh one month after launch we're gonna add Peacemaker. So let let let's play with that scenario a bit. Number one is that I find it increasingly impossible that any of these new characters are going to be added to the main story. So I doubt that you're gonna be able to play the main story but swap you know, King Shark out for Peacemaker, right? That's a lot of work. So I don't think that's what's going to happen here. So what this means is that when a new character is introduced, what are they there for? And they are just there for you to replay missions. That's it. Exact, it's exactly what the they tried to do with Marvel's Avengers, where they introduced new missions and it's like, you know, like... The, Black Panther they they added a mission just for Black Panther. But once you do that, what's left? Like what else is there to do with this new character? Oh, just replay the same boring horde mode type of missions that are going to have be, to be created to support new characters. What's the fun in that? And I think the one of the most the more interesting things about this whole thing is the fact that you can clearly see that the design of Suicide Squad was affected by this pivot to live service. And it's like, I can't imagine how that must feel for Rocksteady. This is definitely why Sefton Hill and some of the other leaders at that studio just left. Because I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like this started very pure. I feel like this really did start as just a like almost like Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy like what Square Enix did where it was single player but you could swap or or I guess maybe not just like Guardians you were stuck with one character but maybe with this one it was a single player campaign there was no co-op but you could pick whichever um uh, squad member you wanted and i could see that at some point in the development they said yeah we need to we need this to be a live service and you could see how the design was affected. I just, I just can't imagine Rocksteady knowing everything we know about that team, how true they are to their characters and their world, that they sat down when designing the game and said, "Yeah, so everyone should use guns." No, no, this, this is no way. There's no way that that was part of the thought process. Um, but in order to make a game that has a live service element, where you're trying to hook people into trying to increase their builds and get a better weapon, get a better piece of armor, you need that. You need your green, blue, purple, legendary gold uh, tiers of items. Like, that's just standard fare for this type of garbage. And then you also see it just in the enemy design. Everyone just feels like cannon fodder. That's really all it is. The combat definitely does not look very interesting, you know, um, because you can tell that it had to be designed around this live service garbage ass element. And it's so sad to see, because like I said, there's, there still is this great story and this great campaign at the center of all of this. But I'm sure what's most frustrating to those developers is I I, I guarantee that they were trying to tell the leaders at WB, like this isn't going to work. It's not, it's just not going to work because the main hook to bring people back is redoing and recycling the same missions. It all boils down to the same exact shit. It's hordes of enemies and weak points and all this garbage. Like it's just not enough, right? It's, it's not a good enough base for a live service game. That's why Avengers failed. That's why Gotham Knights failed. And that's why so many others have failed. um, because it's just not a good foundation for it. It just doesn't make sense. And like I said, the thing about it is, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are looking at this game just like me. Like, you finish that campaign, it's like, okay, do I need to keep this game? Why? So I have to grind in order to earn Rick Flag or Peacemaker or whoever that else they try to add to the game. So I, so I have a, I have a chance to earn them i have a chance to earn whatever new mission comes up i have a chance to get uh, use battle passes and get a new hat for king shark so my my king shark with the new hat uh can play around replay the same mission for the 500th time and and if you recall when they first talked to us a few months ago remember that they were talking about like oh you know we're gonna add like an effect so like it's like a bane effect so like when you kill an enemy it's like venom and bane venom effects and it's just all cosmetic absolute trash garbage and like i said the reason why like pvp live service makes sense is because every single match is unique like you're coming back you don't need a story right you're creating those moments yourself for something that's either uh, campaign focused, like single player or even with co-op You need a reason to come back. You need a reason to want to play again with new costumes, new items, new skins, uh, new characters. It's just not compelling enough to do like hordes of enemies or these side missions where we've already seen what it is. You can't hide it. Shoot the helicopter with the giant purple zit. Like we, we already saw all the garbage that he put out. WB has confirmed they doubled down like two weeks ago that they're doubling down on live service. Uh they confirmed last week that Wonder Woman's there, there was like a job listing that uh said uh you know um that they were looking for someone who, who can help maintain a life software product or game. They they kind of listed that as like that would be an important skill, not not a requirement, but it would be kind of cool if you had it. And they came forward and they said Wonder Woman is a single player action adventure game set in a dynamic open world. Um, it's not being designed as a live service, but they did reiterate that it is going to be using their patented nemesis system that they use in their Mordor games. Um, but yeah, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's just hard to trust this company anymore. There were, um, you know, microtransaction kind of things that were added to the last, you know, Mordor game that came out the last shadows game. So, I, I, there's just no reason to trust them. Even if it's not live service, there's no reason to trust it. You're going to, to try to fill it up with skins and all this garbage for you to pay because paying $70 at retails is somehow no longer enough for a lot of these companies. Uh, and that's really our show. They're are no hot releases i looked at it there really weren't any really major releases this might be the first time ever or maybe even just like the second time in in koji's history that there was no releases to really talk about there's no wrap it up uh either this week but a few shout outs shout out to 505 games owner digital bros announced well not shout out to them but shout out to their employees because they announced plans to cut 30 percent of their workforce also shout out to amazon's games division employees Amazon announced they were laying off another 180 employees after cutting 100 jobs in April. And Embracer, there's a big one, Embracer did confirm that 900 employees will let go in its second quarter. And and it's probably not the end. Their leadership team really messed up. (laughs) Like, they really, really messed up. Uh, And it's kind of one of those things where it's really at the center of a lot of these layoffs which is the mismanagement of funds and expecting the gravy train to keep on rolling and definitely spending more than you should have trying to use the infinite money glitch of uh hey we made money let's just invest that into growing so we can make even more money um without kind of putting the proper contingencies in place and there are no contingencies because to them it's employees it's like all right well yeah, they're they're the ones we screw over first. It's like when the banks fail, right? The government's like, oh you know, let the little guys fail. You know, these other guys are too big to fail. uh Which so all of it's really unfortunate. That definitely puts the layoffs number at over seven thousand for the year. Actually, it might be over seventy five hundred now for the entire year of 2010 to twenty three, which is just god awful. Thank you so much for joining me. Please follow us on Twitter and YouTube at Camp Code for Future Updates. Once again, I'm Joel, and I will see you all next week.